Well, is anybody happy to be in God's house today? So, welcome to the service in the park. How you like the weather in here? It's just fine. You know, um, it's raining in the park, but the sun is shining in here. So, it's just, God is always at work. Jesus said, my father is always at work. And, uh, Back in July, toward the end of July, I was talking with Pastor Adams on the phone. And, and by the way, I should say, and I, I won't say more, but I should say that our friend, Bishop Jones, told our new friend, you guys will be friends. <laughs> and we have become that. And First Lady Veronica and your First Lady Lisa have become friends. We regularly have uh, dinner together. And, um, and so uh, we were talking on the phone in July and I mentioned that we were having, you know, we had a service in the park in June and that we were planning to have one in September. And I said to Pastor Adams, I said, you guys should join us for the service in the park. And he said, when is it? And I said, it's on September the 11th. And he said, are you going to preach on hitting the twin towers? And that registered with me. 9-11, for me, has long had a different meaning. You see, because September the 11th, today, is my grandmother Patterson's 106th birthday. And Lisa and I drove down there Wednesday afternoon, and we spent Thursday and Friday with them and drove back here yesterday. She raised eight children. Uh, seven of those eight children are still with us. One has gone on to glory. I think there are 11 grandchildren, and I don't know how many great-grandchildren, but I do know this. There are three great-great-grandchildren because two of them are mine. So I said, you know, some of y'all are great-grandchildren, but only me and my brother have great-great-grandchildren. And, and so she was a missionary's wife to Native Americans. Most of that time has been in Oklahoma. The last 50 years has been in the Shawnee area, and she still lives in Shawnee, still lives alone in Shawnee at 106. Um, smart and beautiful. And uh, eyesight is going and, and hearing is going, but, uh, but she is still sharp. Uh, but this day, 9-11, of course, means something different to all of you, to all of us. It, it changed 20 years ago, didn't it? 21 years ago. Some of you were born or came of age after that infamous day. When terrorists attacked the Twin Towers. You have, some of you, never known going to the airport and seeing your family off on a flight. At the gate. And going to the gate to receive them back. Some of you never known that. Yeah, we used to do that, right? Some of you have never known a world that didn't have the phrase, the war on terror. It's just become part of our vocabulary. I remember that day well. Lisa and I had moved here in 2001. And I remember that morning I was watching the news in our house up here on Thurman and Elizabeth, where we used to live. And I called the office and I said, I'm going to stay by the television. And I was watching when the first tower fell. Lisa was at Grandman Elementary School teaching. And after that fell, I called her. 
because I thought maybe she hadn't heard, and she hadn't. And I remember standing, if those of you knew that house when we were here before, standing in the stairwell when I told her what had happened, and I began to cry on a staircase. And, and that day was a blur, wasn't it? I was an associate pastor here at First Baptist Ferguson. And we had a prayer service that night. And if I remember correctly, I was on the second row right there on my knees. And I remember praying in this building and lifting up my voice and crying out to the Lord for protection, intercession, renewal, awakening. If I'm not mistaken, I said something along the lines of, Lord, the hedge has been removed. Bring us back. What an awful day. Forever changed the world. Those towers came down. The Pentagon was hit. Another plane would have come to the White House, but as it was making its turn, There were civilian heroes that said, whatever's happening, it's not happening here today. And they forced that plane down in Pennsylvania. When I talked with Pastor Adams back in July, and he asked if I was going to preach on the towers, I immediately thought of a couple of other towers, strongholds of evil that need to be brought down in our day. Yes, the, the, the Twin Towers in New York City were brought down by terrorists. And you know, I don't, those, those two buildings housed 500 businesses. Those businesses employed more than 50,000 people. And that tragedy affected the whole world, affected all of us. But there are two towers of evil that are alive and well in our society. And they are the towers of hatred and injustice. And if I could, I would say that those towers of hatred and injustice have many businesses. They have many iterations that employ millions affecting billions. I wish I could try to make a list of those businesses. But where would we start and where would we end? But what they have in common are things like racism and classism and ignorance and greed and societal injustice and legal injustice and on and on and on. Now, yes, the New York Twin Towers were brought down also by hatred and injustice and terrorism. But in today's conversation, I'm asking the opposite question. And let me just remind all of us as we're here in the Lord's house, look down at your items and make sure they are turned off right now. Make sure that you are in silent mode so we don't disturb anything that God wants to say here. I want us to see a different image, the opposite image, if you will. And that is, how do we, the church of Jesus Christ, both corporately and individually, how do we come against hatred and injustice? It is only through love and righteousness. We are not here, listen, today to talk about politics. Politics serve their place. (laughs) But politics are not the answer to the world. Now, they can be a vehicle at times, but Jesus is the answer. And so let us say today that the change we need is found like someone I used to remember saying by looking at the man in the mirror. I won't sing it, but now it's in your head. All right. Listen to me. Changed people change the world. Yes. 
And so you and I can change Ferguson. If we surrender to the Lord, if we surrender to the heart of Christ, then the towers of hatred and injustice can be replaced with towers of love and righteousness. Psalm 11, David says, I will take refuge in the Lord. And then he goes on to say, some want to fly to the mountains. That's not the answer. But he says, the Lord is on his holy temple. And as you read Psalm 11, he reminds us that, listen, God is watching. God is examining. And then he says this, the Lord is righteous. And he loves the righteous. And the upright see his face. So Pastor Adams is going to come. And as we turn our hearts and our gaze and our hope to God, my brother is going to talk about bringing down the towers of hatred and injustice and erecting the towers of love and righteousness. And listen, it happens, you know, I served in a military community for five years and I used to have a a chief master sergeant in the army that would say, rally, It's about rallying around the Lord. It's about recognizing the enemy and recognizing the answer. And so, brother, you come on and say what God has for you. And then when you tell me, I'll come in and sew it up. Come on, brother. Testing one, two. All right. God bless you all. It's so good to be here with you. Give God a hand of praise just for being together. There is something that I do believe in. One, we ought to give honor to whom honor is due. And secondly, uh, the Bible says, let us make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Now, um, I'm going to tell you something that you probably don't know, haven't figured it out just yet. I'm black. I know there is a difference, and, and here is the problem. Most often we, we are afraid to talk about differences because we think when we talk differences, it brings wedges, but it doesn't. It, it opens us because how many of you all know that each and every one of you were made in the image of God and after his likeness? Somebody asked the question, and, and I just right now I'm just trying to, to, to ease the load. Somebody said, well, is God black? And I said, yes. Somebody else asked me, well, is he white? I said, yes. So the one who asked me, is he black? said, well, how can you say that he's black if you just said he's white? Because if God says we were all made in his image, then we almost look like him. So then, yes, God is black. And he's white, Hispanic, Asian, Indian. What, whatever we are, he is. Now, he said, be ye holy, for I am holy. So if you don't mind, what I would like for us to do, because... I went to a baseball game, and I saw black people and white people. When that man hit the ball, everybody hollered. (laughs) Now, in the church, I know there are different churches, and in different churches, you have different things that you do. But we can worship the Lord in silence. But nowhere in the Bible have you ever seen a quiet praise. Nowhere. So if you hear the truth, if you hear the truth, if I say anything that the Bible says and you know it to be true, I want you to say amen. That's what I'm talking about. Now, normally I preach 45 minutes to an hour. All right. Now, uh, Dr. Goforth said, well, you're preaching for two people, so you get two hours. (laughs) Y'all forgive me. I just lied in the pulpit. I, I, I normally try not to do that. Normally, but I, 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 I want us, I want us to look within ourselves. 
In August of 2014, I stood on this stage, on this very stage, brothers and sisters. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Pastor Stoney and, and, and Pastor Ron Beckner, and, and we sat and we talked. And I sat on this stage with a group and a panel of pastors from Ferguson. And a brother stood up who became one of the pastors just before. He, he left. He and I had, had a great relationship. Joe Cole Stevens and I were friends. And Joe stood on this very stage and wept and said, God, forgive me for the racism that was in my heart that I didn't realize. Brothers and sisters, if we all don't search our heart and do what Pastor Jim said and look in the mirror, if we don't open this up, because what happened in August started a revolution around the world from Ferguson. And right now, God is getting ready to start from Ferguson, a new revolution from this very stage. If you will read with me, we're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. And I'm going to read this from the Amplified. Everything that I read today will be from the Amplified version. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 8. And then we're just going to talk for a few minutes, that I promise. Jeremiah chapter 9, 23 and 24 from the Amplified says it this way. Thus saith the Lord, let not the one who is wise and skillful boast in his insight. Let not the one who is mighty and powerful boast in his strength. Let not the one who is rich boast in his temporal satisfactions and earthly abundance. But let the one who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, acknowledges me, and honors me as God, and recognizes without any doubt that I am the Lord who practices loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth for in these things I delight, says the Lord. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8 says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love for others growing out of God's love for me, then I have become only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, just an annoying distraction. And if I have the gift of prophecy and speak a new message, from God to the people and understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge. And if I have all sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains, but do not have love reaching out to others, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor and if I surrender my body to be burned and do not have love, it does me no good at all. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful, and it is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag, and it is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude. It does not seek self-seeking. It is not provoked, nor overly sensitive and easily angered. It does not take truth into account a wrong endured. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes. Believes all things, looking for the best in each one. Hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, endures all things without weakening. Just the A clause of verse 8 says, love never fails. If God will, let's talk just for a few minutes about destroying the twin strongholds. Brothers and sisters, we give reverence to the, the man of this house. I'm grateful for my friend and your pastor, Pastor Jim Goforth, and the entire First Family. I thank God for Jerusalem and, and my own First Family, uh, my beautiful wife, Ronica, uh, my children, my parents, Bishop and Mother Adams. Uh, I see my friend sitting out here, Pastor Bill Freezy. Longtime friend who we have come together over some years and have had many coffee and, and donuts. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm here to talk to you about these strongholds, these, these things that have kept us 
at bay. And here is the problem. I would expect all of that out there in the street. When, when, when all hell broke loose uh, eight years ago between Darren Wilson and Mike Brown, I expected the world to act like it did. What I did not expect is for it to funnel into the church. There are certain things that I, I expect out in the world. But the Bible says even though we live in the world, we are not a part of it. So this, this is not coming from a Democratic position. This is not coming from a Republican position. This is coming as an ambassador of Christ from heaven's gates. When I stood on this stage eight years ago, and the people were fussing and cussing and, and going through all type of hell. I stood here and I said, I, I hear your anger. And some of the anger is justified. But I am not here to stand as a black man. I'm here to stand as a man of God, as an ambassador for Christ from heaven. And what we will not do is disregard the venue that we are in. You all, uh, I, I got some uninvitations that day. I can no longer go into certain homes. I could no longer go into certain churches because they thought that I sold out, but I'm sold out for Christ and not for man. But in being a, a sellout for Christ, the Bible says that... Uh, Teach and preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering. When the Twin Towers came down, the United States came together and said, we are going to call on the name of Jesus. They didn't say in the name of the Most High. They didn't say in, in, in the man upstairs. They said, we are going to call on the name of Jesus. It was okay to call on Jesus then. But a month later, we wanted to remove Jesus from the conversation. What am I saying? It is easy for us to talk about things uh, when it's popular. But what about when it's not? Are we willing to talk about problems and, and, and racism and hatred and, and injustice one day after George Floyd? Or will we do it one day after the election? When will we, when will we as the church, because brothers and sisters, whether you know it or not, God says, when I come back, judgment is going to begin in the church. Do you know that Sunday is the most segregated day of the week? We work together. We play together. We eat together. We go to school together. But for the most part, we worship separately. Same God, but we worship separately. Now, let, 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 let me put you in on, on something that the scripture tells us. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus says this, I'm giving you a new commandment to love one another as I have loved you. So you too are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How many people know that the church is one? Because over the last two to three years, the church has been separated by politics and by race, brothers and sisters, God is not happy with us. Jim and I have been very intentional on how we talk to each other, how we relate, the, the type of topics that we talk about. Because if we continue with business as usual, it will continue with business as usual. We have to be intentional Jesus Christ says, brothers and sisters, I came to search and save, seek out and save. He went looking for hell. But in the church, amongst different ethnicities, 
we try to stay away from it because we don't want to be offensive. But did you know that Jesus said, I came to be an offense? He said, I came to put mother against mother. Did did you all know? That's the word now. If I say the word, you say amen. If I lie, you stand up and say, preacher, you lying. So here we are with problems of injustice and hatred. And the only cure for hatred is love. The only cure for injustice is righteousness. Now, we are all the righteousness in Christ Jesus. But where are our hearts? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And there are so many who have decided, I'm just not going to say anything. Do you all remember the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel? Elijah said to the leaders, bring the church here. Now bring all of the prophets of Baal here also. But he called out to the church. He said, if Baal be God, then serve him. But if God be God, then serve him. Do you all remember what the church said? Not a word. The church stood with the declaration of who will be on the Lord's side. And the church said nothing. Read it for yourself. If you think I'm lying. See, I know y'all Bible study is full. It's hard for us to get people on Bible study. They come to the big show. But they won't come to Bible study. This is not where the work starts. The work is outside of here. The teaching starts in here. So this was a grand opportunity. When I asked Pastor Jim, I said, will will we touch those towers? Is there anything that we can do to bring down those towers? He said, brother, the only thing that cures hatred is love. Now, how many of you? Yeah, it's loaded. How many of you say you love everyone? I love everyone. Well, at at least the truth, only four people raised their hands. Oh, that's cool. I know what I'm working with. So to you four, thank you for loving everyone. And for the rest of us, we have work to do. Now, let me be honest. I love everybody, but I don't like a lot of people. There's a difference. And the majority. The majority of the people that I don't like are church people. There is a danger in dealing with church people. Church people are some of the most wickedest people to ever live. You don't believe me. I need to give you a scripture. Many of you have heard it. Second Chronicles chapter 7. God says, if my people, not the world, my people, If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from there. Hallelujah. Y'all read it too. There are some wicked people sitting next to you. Don't turn right now and look at them. It will cause problems. Look at me, but know that I'm telling the truth. The problem in that is that it's a heart problem. But the only way to fix that is through love. Now, I know you say that you, uh, well, the four people, I'm sorry, the four people love, uh, and, and, and the rest of you, you, you need to know how to. So, love is patient. Love is kind. How many of us are patient with each other? If, if we were to just do the definition of, of this is what love is, how many of us are patient, and, and some of us are not patient with our own people in our own race, in our own ethnicity. Uh, uh, get out my way. You're going too slow. The speed limit is 35. You're only doing 45. Would you please move? Road rage. Get out. You know, I'm not just talking about you. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. If I could only preach 
on what I did right all the times, I could only talk about tithing. Everything else I'm guilty of, but God says I need you to preach it even though you don't do it all the time. Because all of us have sinned and have come short of the glory. And the Bible says there is none that doeth. I know there are some people say, since I've been saved, I haven't sinned. You just lied. Which is a sin. So love is patient. Love is kind. All of these different things that love is. I, I, I wish I had time, but I told you. Uh, yep, we're, we're supposed to be done in 30 minutes ago. Um, Romans 15, verse 1 through 2. Now, we who are strong in our convictions and faith ought to patiently put up with the weakness of those who are not strong and not just please ourselves. Let each one of us make it a practice to please his neighbor for his good, to build him up spiritually. How many of us white and black had said, um, they are getting on my nerves, always pulling up the race card? Come on now, don't sit here. I know better. But unless you've ever been profiled, unless you've ever had to wonder, should you change your name on an application so that you might get a phone call back? If ever you, you have been pulled over and called out of your name, uh, see, there's a lot of things that one on the other side can have no idea on. But if love requires me to bear the faults of my brother, how can you bear what you choose not to believe? And if you won't even have the conversation, which is why it is important for us to have the conversation. Brothers and sisters, the two biggest towers that was in America were struck intentionally. They, the, the planes did not accidentally fly by them and hit them. They were targeted. And do you know the biggest obstacle in America right now? Right now is race and reconciliation. And it is just as much of a problem in the church. And if we don't fix it in here, there is no, I might not be called back after this one. There is no way in hell it's going to get fixed out there. If we can't fix it in heaven, they won't fix it in hell. So it's going to take us. Brothers and sisters, when, when all hell breaks loose out there and race riots and, 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 and burning buildings, it is known right now as the Ferguson effect. Look it up. Google it. I know you all are going to check me out anyway to see if I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what if just these group of people right in here locked arms and walked down the street and said, one Lord, one race, one baptism. One Lord, one race, one baptism. I am a part of the body. And the body says when one part is hurting, the rest of the body rallies around it until it heals itself. How many of us are willing when we see someone, when we see a George Floyd being hurt, how many of us are willing to, it doesn't matter what George was doing. Let, 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 me, let me stop you right here. It doesn't matter what George was doing. Because everyone in here is a sinner saved by grace. Is there anybody in here in the last week who have sinned? In the, I didn't ask you for the day. In the last week. Now, some of you all who, who didn't raise your hand, you lied, so you just sinned right now. So let everybody, let everybody raise their hand then, because all of us, unless you was in a coma, there may have been somebody who was just released this morning from the hospital, and, and, and you still got the IV, and, and then, yeah, you probably haven't done anything. It's okay. 
But it doesn't matter because if our brothers or sisters are fouled or, or, or if, if they are, or, or if, if we find them in sin, our job, the Bible tells us, those who are righteous ought to go to that one who have fallen and restore them. But how many people in the church are looking to ostracize those who get caught in sin? With love. With love. I have to keep moving. I, I, if, I wish I had more time, but we're, we're good. Uh, biblical justice and social justice. Somebody asked the question, is there a difference? Absolutely not. Because our society gets their justice from Scripture. Our moral values have been brought by Scripture, but the church have allowed them to take Scripture out of schools and out of the courthouse because we refuse to stand together. Do you know that the United States is still considered a Christian state? The United States. Whether or not you're Baptist, and oh my God, how many... Did did you know that there are over 40 different Baptists in the Baptist denomination? We can't even get it together as a Baptist. (laughs) Let alone Church of God, Church of God in Christ, Apostolic, Pentecostal, Lutheran, uh, everyone who considers themselves Christian. What if we were just Christian and decided to go to the polls and say, we're going to fight Christian values only? Not Republican values, not Democratic values, Christian values. What does God say about this? Vote that way. Let me read just in Deuteronomy 32, verse four, the rock, his perfect or his work is perfect for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Psalms 89 verse 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Psalms 82 verse 3, give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Isaiah 1 verse 17 says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and please the widow's calls. Micah 6 verse 8. He has told you old man what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Brothers and sisters, here is a problem. We are constantly doing all of the things that God is saying don't do. Lastly, if, if I can say this be, before my brother comes up and, and we, we, we give you an invitation. Oh, in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3, he says, If I give all of my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it does me no good at all. I have seen Southern Baptists. Brothers and sisters, yes, we are New Jerusalem Missionary Baptists, but we are part of the Southern Baptist Convention under St. Louis Metro and have been for the last 13, 14, 15, no, oh my God, 18, 19. It's been a long time, brothers and sisters. When Dr. Benny King was over the St. Louis Metro, my father and him met and became friends like Jim and I. And, and because of that togetherness, Dad became a part. And I said, Pop, why are we part of the Southern Baptists? You are from Mississippi. You were spit on and kicked and was made to leave Mississippi at the age of 18 because a man said that uh, his white daughter kissed you and they were coming to kill you. And your father said, get out of town tonight. Why are we part? He said, son, we can't clean a house if we refuse to go in it. With CRT and all of the mass exodus of of blacks coming out of the Southern Baptist, I have talked to uh, uh, all of those in the office, in the executive position, and I've said, what are we going to do? Because it's, it's not a my problem. It's an our problem. But... 
in verse 3, it says, if I feed the hungry and give my body to be burned, I have seen the Southern Baptist send money overseas but won't send it across the street. We have missions, but we would rather send our money over there and, and not take accountability for what's happening in our own cities. But I had a brother over in Harvester who said, Alonzo, are you willing to break down walls so that we could open up doors? Are you willing to break down walls? Man, we sung up here, Jesus brought me out. Boom, boom, boom. Now I got my life around. And somebody's probably thinking, he's going to tear up the stage. <laughs> we don't stump on our stage. I intentionally jumped harder. Listen, let me tell you the truth. I don't really like 99.1. I know, I know you just rent your Bible and tore your clothes and you are in sackcloths and ashes right now. But I can listen to Gospel 1600 at home or in my car all day long. If it meant changing my worship service to 99.1 so that somebody would come to know the Lord, would I be willing to do it? If it meant you changing from 99.1 to Gospel 1600, would you do it? If, if, if it meant whatever, because if, if I came to seek and save then I need to leave what's comfortable to do what's uncomfortable for those who don't know Christ. I already know them. I'm going to heaven. I can shout, dance, and, and rap and whatever in my house if I want to, but what will I do to bring somebody into the church so that they can get to know the Lord? All of these things we have to do in order to stop hatred and injustice. Now, I would like to read three or four quotes. They're only one sentence long from a man by the name of Dr. Martin Luther King. And everybody loves him now. But do you know, in the 1960s, right before he was assassinated, he was one of the most hated men in America, not just by whites. Even... In the South, from the Southern Christian Leadership Council, there were people inside who were saying, we want to do more of what Brother Malcolm is saying than what Brother Martin is saying. So he was hated after he died, and now that it's popular, everybody calls his name. We, we are quick to do that. Listen, my birthday is in June. If you want to see me come to my birthday party, don't come to my funeral. Love me now. Don't name that corner. If I die, don't name New Jerusalem. You know, instead of Dave, it's Pastor Alonzo Adams. Let it stay Dave. If you want me to see that you love me, change it now. Love me now. Do it now. Let us not wait until there's another George Floyd incident for us to come together. Let us not wait for a Mike Brown incident because hell is happening all over right now and and now it is the time for us to change and do something about it in the end this is what martin said in the end we will remember not the words of our enemies but the silence of our friends our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter the ultimate tragedy is not the oppression and cruelty by the bad people, but the silence over that by the good people. There comes a time when silence is betrayal. You can't stand silent. And just waiting for white people to, to become angry about it or just waiting for black people to come angry about it, that's not going to work. The church has to decide that enough is enough. And the church 
The only cure for hatred is injustice. Excuse me. The only cure for hatred is love. And the only cure for injustice is righteousness. Now let the church, let the church say amen. 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 James 4, verse 8, says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So what do we, what do we do with this? Second, or first, Second Corinthians 10. See, because the change that we are talking about does start in the mirror. The change we need starts with we. The change we need is not in D.C. It's not in Columbia. It's not even down on Church Street in Ferguson. What's your address? The change we need starts at home. The change we need starts at 333 North Florissant. The change we need starts at number one Dade Street. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 says, Although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. Since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. But are, I like that, but are powerful through God for what we've been talking about, the demolition of strongholds. It says we demolish arguments and every proud thing. Everything that raises up against the knowledge of God. And here it is. We take captive every thought to make it obey Christ. Yes, we live in a physical world. That's why we're inside today. Because we live in a physical world. But what we're talking about are not physical battles. Sure, there are times for physical struggles, but the biggest answers we seek are not physical answers. We do not wage war according to the flesh. So the answer to lies and hatred and injustice are truth and love and righteousness. We do not, this is what I was thinking about yesterday. We do not give as has been given to us by the world. Just because you've been getting hatred doesn't mean you give hatred. Just because you've been getting injustice, you don't give injustice. We give to the world according to what has been given to us by Christ Jesus. Last I checked, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And though we were enemies with God, Christ reconciled us to God. We hated God and God loved us. Come on, somebody. That's how we are to love. Yes, it says, although we walk, we live, the word is peripateo, though we live and walk and act in human realms. We do not. Strateuo means to encamp as an army. We do not encamp as an army like the flesh. We encamp according to 
not the sarks, which means the physical. Oh, there's lots of physical stuff we would like to do when things are not right. That's not what it says. Just because we are humans does not mean we have to do what is humanly normal. We have a different nature. And so if we live according to what Christ has done for us, my, my. You see, when we shift our attack mode to spiritual, when we shift our attack mode to Christ-like, then we find that our weapons are not powerless. Our weapons of warfare, not of the flesh, but they are powerful. Say powerful. They are powerful. For. It's a lot of stuff we do that's good for nothing. Made me feel better, but it didn't do anything. But they are powerful for. And and when I, I looked this up yesterday... Our weapons. Interestingly, the word is the word hoplon. But when I saw it, I just saw hoopla. <laughs> a lot of the weapons we use are just hoopla. Yeah. Now, that's not a Greek word. That's just one of our words, right? <laughs> our weapons are hoopla. And our hoopla ought not to be physical. But our hoplon Our weapons are powerful because it's not a bunch of weak hoopla. And our weapons are powerful for exactly what we're talking about. To demolish strongholds. To demolish arguments. To demolish pride. If we would do what God has done for us according to what he has done for us, if we would come together like that, we take away all those arguments. Well, you know those church folks, they're not, oh, well, they are there. What we're trying to do is change the narrative in Ferguson. Yes. I want it to be, what, what did you say that was? The Ferguson what? Ferguson the Ferguson effect. Could, could we create a new Ferguson effect? Yes. Hello. Could we put aside our pride? Could we put aside our right to? No. Could we put aside those strongholds? You know what a stronghold is? It's a fighting place. It's a defensive armament. And it tells us how to do it. You're not going to like this. You heard it just now. But I don't know if you got it. We have to change the way we think. When we change the way we think, we change the way we act, and that changes our environment. When pride and arguments and strongholds, they are all set up, by the way, to suck us in. And so we have to, it says, take prisoner our thought process. Take captive our thoughts and bring them under the influence of Christ. That is love and truth and commitment to righteousness and reconciliation. That's what it is. With every thought, say every thought. thought. With every thought, we have to capture that thought that's just come into our head. The thought wasn't sin, but if we leave it there, It gives birth. James 1 says that when it gives birth as a temptation, it gives birth. And when it's fully conceived, it leads to death. I know this is oversimplification and almost is, is, is just stereotypical. We actually have to say, if Jesus were here, what would he do? But let me let it be a little more personal. What if you said, if Jesus were here, what would I do? I mean, because I mean, if Jesus were here, you wouldn't say that. 
If Jesus were here, you wouldn't think that. If Jesus were here, you wouldn't do that. Well, Jesus is here. He is. Well, that's the last I checked. Come on now. That's not fair, Pastor. Yes, it is because it's in the Scripture. You can't call me a liar because it's right there. And that means it's truth, and that means it's here, and it's a command. It's expected by the Christ who redeemed us. Love as you were loved in Christ. He loved us first. He loved us before we loved him. He loves us best. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us extravagantly. And you know, he's got one goal. It's called reconciliation. That's his goal, is to reconcile us with God. And we have been given, 2 Corinthians 5 says, the ministry of... Oh, well, that just messed everything up. What would change tomorrow? What would change today? What would change for every tomorrow until tomorrow never comes? If I, if you... If we would take captive every thought and make it obey Jesus. We got to change the goal. We got to change the battle plan. We got to change our weapons. We got to change the way we think. And it, it, and it, it, it's not just an event. We check a box. It's a moment by moment. It's a day by day. Mm, The Ferguson effect. What would Ferguson look like? Forget about everybody else, everywhere else. What What would Ferguson look like if First Baptist Ferguson and New Jerusalem Missionary Baptist Church would cry out to God? would recognize the real enemy. See, my Bible tells me that our enemy is not flesh and blood. So if your enemy is flesh and blood, you're missing it. If we would recognize the enemy, and it's not flesh and blood, and recognize the answer is also not flesh and blood. We are in this together. Hmm. Are we? That's a decision too, isn't it? Oh, we'll just let them take care of this. In the mirror, in our homes, at our churches, and then maybe in our city. Because if it's not in our house and it's not in the church house, we can't expect it to be in the city. I'm in. You in? Pray with me. Come before the Lord. Come on, Doug. If God's speaking to your heart, you need to respond now. If we want God to come near to us, we got to come near to him. And if God's revealed an attitude in your heart and mind, then right now, where you are, You might need to either find a place to kneel where you are. You might need to find a place to come here to the altar. In a few moments, we're going to have a time of worship and response. And there'll be elders and pastors here from First Baptist and from New Jerusalem. Our praise team is going to lead us. And if God's telling you to come, come. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you can come. Alonzo, come here. Alonzo and I are good friends. But I want to tell you publicly today,
that I love you. And because we are heirs and joint heirs in Christ, I need you. We need each other. If you need to come, come. If you need to kneel here at the altar, come kneel. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, you don't have what you need. Because all of this is going away. All of this will come to an end. But Jesus remains. If you're right there and you've never trusted Christ, right there where you are, could you say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. I trust you as my Savior. I receive your death on the cross as payment for my sin. And I call you Lord today. I give myself to you and I receive you. If you pray a prayer like that, when we stand to worship, come and take one of our elders or pastors by the hand and say, I've given my life to Jesus. Elders, pastors, come. We need to draw near to God. 